On Thanksgiving, we hear the parable that Jesus told about a man who cared a little bit too much about his possessions. And the parable focuses on the separation from wealth when life ends. The separation from the man's wealth when that night his life is taken from him. It's a familiar story. It says the land produced abundantly, but let's be honest, a bit of hard work was almost certainly part of that. A little bit of what he inherited, a little bit of elbow grease, and that of his workers. And because of all of that put together, the man was blessed. He had a bumper crop. He had so much his barns could not fit everything. And he had big dividends, a lot of money to his name. And it's an old and it's a necessary lesson, though, that Jesus tells us. Even though we do know that money is itself not evil, it's the love of it. And wealth in and of itself is not bad. So many of our heroes in the Bible were themselves very, very wealthy indeed. The lesson is this, though. Wealth sometimes makes us have such a myopic focus on this life. We become too content with the things that we have and too focused on them, worried too much about them instead of the one that has given them. And so Jesus gives us this warning not to be so focused on it. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight or this year. Tonight I'd like you to think about this. What happened, what would happen, if the situation in this parable were reversed? If the dilemma is the opposite of what it is? What would happen if the wealth was taken in the man's life before his life ended, rather than the wealth being taken from him by his life ending? And in the face of that, also, what do we do with this question of giving thanks to God? I think you're going to have to really provide a good, clear case to me, and especially a lot of people, and probably you're already on the same page as we with me as this, that we are living in a time of deteriorating wealth. For the most part, most people are not getting wealthier. They are not building up and accruing larger barns for their grain, and so forth. In the first case, there is a very large problem of debt. Debt that people are going into, debt that they have been in for most of their adult life. And I'm not even just talking about sort of the -the run-of-the-mill 15 or 30-year mortgages that people have, but the high cost of education. If you want to get a decent job, at least in some sectors, you have to go to two, four, six eight or even more years of school and unless you have a very rich uncle you're going to have to take out loans that will follow you for the rest of your life loans you'll never be able to get out from under the cost of transportation of owning a vehicle and maintaining it paying for it to move a thing we call gasoline astronomical housing is prohibitively expensive it's very hard to buy or even sometimes to rent just a house in a safe, good town or neighborhood. And if you are on the fence about these really being a problem, I do encourage you to talk to somebody my age or younger and ask them how they are doing it. Even groceries, there are options for financing your groceries. Have you noticed that in any of your online purchases? You can click here to, <laughs> to pick your groceries, to pay for them piecemeal with a little bit of interest. It's not just debt, though. It goes on, doesn't it? Inflation. Inflation is terrible now, right? 
You all know, and you probably learned at a young age, that the best thing to do with your money isn't to do what a few people did in the Depression or after the Depression, put it under your mattress. It's not even, sorry guys, not even to have it in a bank account. Because <laughs> you're not going to get its value or have the value of its dropping keep up with the rate of inflation. If you just have it sitting there on a table or in an account, it's losing its value. You're losing money. This isn't a commercial for Edward Jones after this that I'm going to slip into here, but you do understand what I'm saying. And on top of that, even though wages, yes, are much higher now, if someone was making $20 an hour in 1965, everyone would say he had an amazing job, but wages have not kept up with the rate of inflation. It keeps going, doesn't it, though? The local economy, I see a lot of blank stares, kind of despondent. And rightly so, we all know very well from our own lives and the lives of the people dearest to us, it's hard to get a good job or one of the few good jobs in the area. And yes, Iroquois County isn't in great shape, but it's the rest of the country too, especially the rest of central Illinois and the Midwest. And if you think about it, a natural thing for somebody to want to live and work very close to their family, particularly their siblings and their families or their parents, that's not really on the table for a lot of people because they must move away from home to get a job, something that is just assumed these days. It keeps going. Law and order. <laughs> Illinois. Do I even need to say more? What has happened to our dear home, where we live, where our fathers and our forefathers settled and came to make a better life? And what have we inherited from the people that make such decisions? When you have, the things that you have can be stolen from you, and the people that would steal them are more or less incentivized by the government to keep doing it, not to stop it, because the price that they would pay, the cost has been in some ways reduced or even wiped out. Really, I think the Lord's parable that I read in the third lesson this evening could be said this way. You fool, this very night, your wealth will be demanded of you. It will be taken of you. I think that that's a lot closer to many people's experience here than what the man is going through in the parable, is it not? And so I do ask this question, in the face of these things and the things that I haven't even touched on, how do we thank God? How do we set aside a time in our day, a time every year, to say, thank you, Lord, for your blessings to me? I think that question has a few false solutions, of course, that you'll find. The first one's always a popular one, especially with young people, sometimes old too. It's being in denial, living in denial about how bad things really are, just ignoring the problems and sometimes saying, because it hasn't affected me that bad, it's not that bad of a problem. Ergo, what are people complaining about? Another problem that maybe we Christians do have a struggle with and temptation to give into is escapism, okay? I call this pie-in-the-sky-ism Christianity. You see, we disengage or don't even think or worry about the world's problems because we do know, and we are right in this, that we will go to heaven someday. It's going to be okay then. So we stick our fingers in our ears and cover our eyes and ignore it as much as we can. 
And of course, there are those who, in the face of all of these things, recognizing them and admitting them, just are angry about them and walk away from God and do not give him thanks, whether on Thanksgiving Eve services or in their daily life. But these are not the good routes to deal with these troubles that we are now living in the midst of. Denial is never a solution for a problem, is it? These things are real problems and we must face them and insofar as it's within our power, work to remedy them. And though, yes, we do believe in heaven, we don't believe in heaven as just an escape from this world and an excuse to not work, not better ourselves, not help and love our neighbor. And in the third place, what is shaking one's fist at God or turning one's back on him ever done? As if God can't, doesn't, and won't work good things, even through bad things that happen. No, what we must do, Christians, friends, is very, very simple. And it's what God's people have always done in the midst of such things. We should ourselves repent. We should thank God for what he has given us. And we should, every day, rely on him and his blessing. In the first part, repentance, well, it wouldn't be a Lutheran sermon if I didn't talk a little bit about repenting of sin, right? But though most, if not all, factors for these financial hardships that I've spoken of are outside of our individual or even our little collective control, as they're not our fault, it doesn't mean that we ourselves don't have plenty of logs in our own eyes. Decisions that we personally have made in life, whether if it's with our jobs or with the money that we've been given from our jobs or even inherited? Have we ever lived for our own pleasure first and the love of the closest neighbor that God has placed in our lives second? I have plenty of sins in this regard to confess and regardless of the things that are above and far beyond my pay grade, I need to own my own stuff before the Lord. And secondly, we should, even in the face of all of these difficult things, give thanks to God every day, every Thanksgiving. It could be worse than I'm talking about now next year, and you know what we should still do? Give thanks to God. It could always be worse as shallow comfort to give somebody or to hear, but here's the thing, it actually is true, okay? It could be worse, and we know from our parents' and grandparents' generation that it was indeed worse at one time. The difficulties we are now in are not unprecedented for our time and place or others, and certainly not for God's people in the Bible. Just read any, almost any given chapter of Kings or Chronicles, and you're going to find some people living in some pretty bad conditions. Now, maybe we don't have the things, a lot of the good things that we once did, or maybe we don't have available to us the things that we could have if conditions were different. But is God still, has he not given us our daily bread? Has he not provided for every need that we have of body and soul? He has. And it's right for us to give him thanks. And today we certainly do. And in the Thanksgiving, that brings us to our third and final point that we need to every day rely on God and his blessing and help. 
the best way that we can say thank you to God in a lived way is to rely on Him, trust in Him, to help and to provide for us according, not to our wants, but to our needs, both today and tomorrow and in the next day until we do go to be with Him. That means praying, and it means hoping in His provision as we do work and do our best to do good in this life. Some things we can't affect, others we can, and of course we should try to affect them, but let us do so with the right frame of mind toward our Maker, the one in whom all things have their being and sustenance. The Maker who truly gives us, as the Catechism teaches us, clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, and all of the rest. Even if one of the things he gives us in this life and for a time is want or need or even famine, he's still preserving our life, is he not? And moreover, we still have his Christ and the salvation in him. So this Thanksgiving, let's trust in him. Let's not look at the past and the things that we wish hadn't changed and the things that we don't have, the things that we want, but let us look to our God and Maker, our Redeemer and Savior, and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Whether in plenty or want, He is still our God, and He is good. Amen.